of my message today is what if. Why what if? Because I believe we all have them. What are what ifs? They're the thoughts we think on that cause our next step of action. I'm going to say it again. It's the thoughts that we think before we determine what we're going to do next. What if this? What if that? Proverbs 4.23 says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped. Everyone say shaped. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. I left my Play-Doh at home. There's none in the house, Pastor. Where's the fun in that? (laughs) It's a mess. That's why. Anyways, daycare. I do daycare. My little people love Play-Doh. How do they determine what they're going to form with their hands? By what they think. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. So that's either really encouraging for us, or for some of us it could be really scary. What are your what ifs? What are your thoughts that you're thinking before you decide if you're going to walk by faith or you're going to walk by the flesh? Isaac gave me lots of opportunities to walk this out last week. I was like, okay, Lord, we need to talk about our subject matter because I want something different next time. Lots of opportunities to shut that thinking down. So he started an infection on Saturday. We get to Thursday, and he's. we we were told on Wednesday, no infection behind the eye. According to a CT scan, and on Thursday, they said the infection's behind the eye. This was my first go-around with this, with infection behind the eye. I didn't understand a lot, but we were warned multiple times. It just can't get behind his eye. And then I'm told it's behind his eye. Like, behind his eye that was the one thing that wasn't supposed to happen lord what if lord what if that infection behind his eye is so strong and it is so strong in his blood lord what if and for a moment you can tell that was a sincere what if in my heart that was a sincere thought but what do we do with it okay lindy so there's one option what's my other other option what if the blood of jesus flows through his blood and keeps every infection out of it. That was my thought I chose to go with. On Saturday, before we were released to go to the University of Iowa, the doctor was in the, off, in the room, the nurse was, and then Drew and I, and obviously Isaac, and she goes, you know what? Some of this is just really difficult because his blood work is so good, the infection is not in his blood. And immediately I'm like, it's Jesus. That's why. And they both turned at me. I'm like, seriously, that is where our faith was. That's exactly what we were believing for. What if I had to, what if I hadn't have chose to switch? What if it gets into his optic nerve, Lord? It's behind his eye. The optic nerves got access to everything back there. By the time, on Monday, his vision was 2020. Come Friday night, it's 2070, and he's seeing double. Again, very sincere. What if, Lord? What if, okay, I can do this. What if, because of the work of Jesus, the infection is totally cursed, dries up, and does not touch his optic nerve? His optic nerve is functioning fantastic. What if we all have the what ifs, just like we got a but? Are our what-ifs controlled by the word of God or lies of the enemy? There's not a single person in this room or online who doesn't have to make the choice to fight. No one gets to not. 
You just get to choose how you're going to fight and who your strength is, who your hope is placed in. Who's your hope? Who's your truth? Amen. Some of your what ifs may be, Lord, what if I cannot financially afford for my family anymore? Prices are insane. Have you seen what's happening down here lately? I'm going to go ahead and keep my tithe, Lord. I just don't know if I can do it, so I'm just going to keep my tithe. There's one if. What if I use my faith and I trust you that I remain a tither, I remain a giver, and you are my provider, and I'm not going to waver? In fact, it may just cause me to give a little bit more. Step into faith by the thoughts that you think. So many young people, the upperclassmen, I've talked to several of them the last couple weeks, and they're like, Lindy, some of them know exactly what they want to do after school, where they're going, and they're like, yes, I've got this. And some of them come just weeping. Lindy, what if I choose wrong? What if I go to the wrong place? What if I find the wrong person? And blah, blah, blah. Like, those are legit fears. So then we simmer. What if? What if you guys continue to keep yourself in the presence of God? What if you continue to seek him like I know you do and you choose to say, Lord, show me your plans, show me where to go, and he leads you and guides you? That's a great what if. If you turn to Philippians 4.8, I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, just a little side thought, he's always worthy of our praise. Meditate on these things. Today, my hope is that as we're here together and as we leave, we sincerely consider, does my thinking line up with what we just read? Continually, I would remind myself, Lindy, think of a good report, a good report, the report of the Lord. It totally switched. Think according to his word. This message started burning in my heart in October. Pierce and Kay were still in Florida, and I was flying out to see them. And Drew had checked in my luggage online the night before, so we were told you don't have to be there much more before an hour. Just go and be. I'm like, okay. So I walk in. My luggage is checked in. As soon as I walk in the door, there's a huge line literally to the door that you enter at the airport. Okay, I'm just being really honest. So I'm like, ha, suckers, you didn't check in your luggage. I literally walked around them. And then everybody started looking at me. It's not for luggage. It's to get through the security line so you can get on your plane. I was like, oh, Jesus, help. I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm going to make this. I'm standing in line, the what if start. Like, if you don't know me, I love my kids and that baby girl. I was like, Lord, this is not optional. I need to get on this plane. But what if you don't? What if you don't? What could you do? You could throw a really big fit, Lindy, and get really mean and demand to get in front of people. Lindy, when he dropped me off, Drew informed me he did not have his phone. And if I needed something, I would not be able to contact him. <laughs> I had a few what-ifs for that, too. But we'll skip those. <laughs> I'm like, what if I just call my dad and don't even try and daddy will come pick me up? I'm just going to go home and wallow and cry. Okay. Lindy, let's get this together. 
What if I just simmer down, get my emotions gathered, and say, Lord, I thank you that you're my ever-present help. You're my ever-present help, Lord. Just going to wait on you. You're my strength. Like, it's going to be okay. Whatever happens, it's going to be okay. And once I started changing my thinking, I just got this deposit in my heart. You're going to get on that plane. The one thing that I love that I kept thinking over and over today as we are shouting, declaring, we can receive and not have to feel or see any change. That's what faith is. We believe him and everything else catches up. We trust you, Lord. Like it was not of me. Lord, I'm going to get on that plane. Okay. So then in my heart, I hear, ask for mercy. Okay. I know your mercy. Your mercy is really great, Lord. Okay. So the whole bottom of the airport is filled with people again. And the whole time until I get to the escalator, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I'm getting on that plane. Thank you for your mercy. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. They told us once we cleared the bottom floor and you got up to the top, there was no other people in line. You're clear. You're good. They lied. (laughs) Pretty for sure they just didn't want a mob to break out. This happened to be the same day that the Knoxville kids made their D.C. trip to uh, Washington. Like, it was a mess. I've never prayed for airport staff as much as I did. For the security people, for the people who won that wand thingy, like, prayed and prayed and prayed. Get halfway through that group of people. I have 15 minutes before my plane is taking off. Like, Lord, you said, mercy. You said, you're getting on that plane. I'm getting on that plane. I'm not going to make that plane if something doesn't change. And again, I hear a little bit sterner, ask for mercy. Oh, like, you just don't want me to think on your mercy. Like, you want me to do something with it. You want me to ask people for mercy. I'm on it. I'm humbled. I want on that plane. The first group of people, there were six of them. They were girls, five of them, really sweet. One knows not so much. And I said, man, I'm legit going to miss my plane. Can I have mercy and cut in front of you? You may. Guys, and just went on down by down till I got to the last three people and we were all on the same flight and we took off and got cleared and made that plane. When I sat down, like I was like in awe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then I thought, what if, what if I hadn't changed my thinking? What if I didn't listen to your voice? What if I didn't ask for mercy? There is no way I would have even cleared it through the elevator. There is no way. And I began to think, what are areas in my life where, like, I totally missed it? Like, maybe I didn't simmer my emotions and I didn't seek you. And I don't want those kind of what-ifs people, Lord. I don't want that for his people. I want us to get our thoughts lined up with his word so we can have his absolute best. To me, that airline seat was like part of his exceeding greatness. That verse just totally left me. Exceedingly, abundantly, more than I could ever ask or think. That's exactly what it was. When I got there, Pierce and Kay and Carter were horribly sick. I'm pretty sure she had RSV, and they needed their mama as much as I did. It's not just about us. Say, it's not just about me. It is not. If you turn to Genesis 11, 31 through 32... Genesis 11:31 through 32. One day Terah took his son Abram 
who's going to become Abraham, just a thought for you, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and he moved away from the Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed, everybody say headed. He was headed for the land of Canaan. But, I told you, everybody's got a but. They stopped at Haran and settled there. This portion of scripture has always made my head go tilt. You know, the whole father of faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I didn't do too much with it. Several weeks ago, I was listening to Multiply Your God by John Bevere. I'm in my bathroom. I'm getting ready for the day. And John gets to this portion of scripture. And he's like, okay, now let's talk about this. Like, seriously, the man settled. And then he said it. What if it was supposed to be our fathers of faith, Tira, Abraham, and Isaac? We don't know because scripture says he settled. If you research it, he literally went half the distance and stopped. What's enough to, what would be enough to make him stop? Lord, what was his what ifs? What could he have thought? I don't think it's much different than us. Think about that perfect rest stop. If you have ever traveled with family and you're thinking, oh, no, I could stop here. We could just camp out here. We could not go the whole distance. I'm tired of fighting the kids, tired of the bathroom stops. My husband would say amen to that. Why would he not finish it? Say, I'm not going to be him. The next few moments, we're going to take a look at Mark chapter 5. And I just want to look at two people who set a fantastic example of what we could do with our what-ifs and be amazing receivers. Say, I I am am an amazing amazing receiver. receiver. Matthew 5, 21 through 43. I know it's like 20 verses, but stay with me. It's good. Everybody say it's good. Verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore, on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she can be healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, 
the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with them except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why are all, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. He took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kwom, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them, give her something to eat. How many what ifs? How many times each one of these individuals had an opportunity to choose to go back the other way? For my story, it was just a flight to Florida. But this is life. And truth, our small what-ifs every day are forming the big portion of our life. What if? What if we behaved like them? What if we chose to fight? Jairus, what if he was more concerned about his position as a leader in the synagogue? This is mentioned three times in 22 verses. To me, we need to know this. We need to pay attention to it. He could have been fearful. In John chapter 9, The Pharisees, the religious leaders had declared, if any of you say that Jesus is Lord, you're expelled, you're out, you are not welcome back. He had a job to lose. He had friendships to lose. He had to have invested in them. He spent days with them. But instead of thinking, Lord, what if this? What if this? He just said, what if they're wrong and he is the Messiah? What if he can heal her? What if he can restore my daughter? His thoughts had to be similar to that because he put everything else to the side and went after Jesus. What if? Where do we get our security? Where do we get our identity? Is it in what we do? Is it who we're with? It's who's in our household, how much I make, how many toys I have. What determines my next move? If my house payment is so horrendously big, it's going to affect my faith. I need to stop and choose wisely the toys I pick because I want this. I want my Jesus to be what determines my next move and not the people that I surround myself with. We have to let go of this to get to this. Everybody say him first. Him first. Always, always. Another thought, this may be a little bit more revealing of Lindy. He was first. Jairus was there first. He approached Jesus first. This woman caught in line, touched him, slowed him down. She's unclean. Why is she even here? I'm a leader of the synagogue. I should have been first. Pretty sure that, hopefully that's just not me. That could have been a what if, if that was me. I could have been so frustrated. When they told me the eye infection was, or when the infection was behind his eye, I felt like everything went slow-mo, and it took everything in me not to scream at the doctor and say, just give me the end report. Like, what are we going to do? I want a plan. 
I don't need everything in between. I just want Isaac to receive. Give me a plan. He could have thought that. Stop. I'm not against you. I'm okay if you get healing, but just wait. Let, him, let me take him where he needs to go first to my daughter. It gets really real here at church, even if it's our best friends. Like how many times have we had to fight off? Oh, they got that miracle before I did. I started asking first. Lord, I've never walked away from you. They just got saved. I will promise you those what ifs will not help you to be a good receiver. What if as we watch our family and friends receive from God, even if it's years before us, we celebrate them. We shout for victory for them and we encourage them and we rejoice with them that they received and we remind ourselves, wait, what if God's faithful to everybody? Well, he is. Rejoice. Be thankful. Don't put yourself first. Him first. Anyone molding their life by those thoughts, we have to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. Our actions can open the hand of God or close it. Has nothing to do with him and so much to do with what we choose. Choose wisely your thoughts so your actions can be fueled into faith. While Jesus is speaking, Jairus is informed that his daughter is dead. Jesus overhears and responds, don't be afraid, just have faith. What if? What if? Lord, she's dead. Like she doesn't have a heartbeat. That would be so hard to have that news and to be able to push those aside and say, no, I asked him, he said he's coming. I said, if he just lays his hand on her, she will recover. I don't care about the report that they're giving me. Don't be afraid, just have faith. I don't know what that looks like for you, man. Some fights are intense. Whatever you have to do before the throne of God. At one point, Isaac was horribly sick, vomiting, dry heaving, losing everything. And at one point, he starts punching the bed. He's like, I'm so sick and tired of this. I'm angry, Lord, Mom. I just want to be done. I'm like, well, talk to him because there's not an emotion that he can't help you with. What do you do? You go before him. Lord, I'm angry. Help me. Help me. Help me get in faith. Show me, show me. Simmer down, Isaac. Okay. What's your what ifs? What's going to fuel? I love the steps that we can literally read that Christ did to help Jairus to stay in faith and not be afraid. He starts exiting people. We start in a crowd. It's mentioned several times. And then when Jairus is told his daughter is dead, Jesus says, James, Peter, John, Dad, let's go. Everyone else, you stay behind. Who's in your inner circle? Who's in your crowd? Some people were not believing 
that if Jesus laid hands on her, that she would be healed. I love you, but stay. You cannot speak into my life right now. Stay. We see it again when they get to the house. There's weeping and moaning, and he's like, hey, she's sleeping. She's not dead. They laugh and they mock him. Out. Out. If you're not going to be in faith with me, then I don't need you in this scenario. Feed me faith. Feed what is of God's exceedingly abundantly. Help me. Surround yourself with the right people so that you can be receivers. The woman, 12 years of bleeding. So social and religious isolation for 12 years. She was considered unclean. She could not touch anyone. She couldn't be touched by anyone. Like, that is one of my love languages. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Not to have physical touch for 12 years because she was unclean, and if she touched them, then they would be unclean. We thought COVID was hard for us. 12 years of isolation. You cannot tell me. She's like, yeah, let me go get in that crowd. I'm going to go touch Jesus. Her what ifs had to be, I had, no. Like, I have to scream out, I'm unclean. I'm going to have to touch people, and I'm not supposed to touch people. And, Lord, what if this isn't true? And what if, what if, what if? That's not her what ifs, because it's not what would have gotten her where she was. Portion of Scripture says, what she heard about Jesus made her go. Church, what are you guys saying about Jesus? What she heard, she held on to, and she believed for different. If I just touch his robe, I will be healed. It's worth fighting through the crowd. I'm not going to think about all the things that are uncomfortable for me because I just want to get to him. I was raised in the Lutheran church, and you said exactly what was on the bulletin. You said amen when it was written. You read the portion of scripture that was written. There was no out of the box. Could I get any more different? When I first walked in to Kingsway Fellowship under Pastor Bill Jenkins, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Is it contagious? This is weird. Just sit down. (laughs) I'm so thankful I didn't stay in that mindset and think, this is uncomfortable. This is not me to, God, everything you've done for me. I don't care about what's uncomfortable. I don't care about what people think. Not only is my praise and worship going to be greater than what it was when I was in the bar running my mouth. Come on. I'm not going to be louder in the bar drunk as a sinner and be quiet in the church as a, as a believer under the blood of Jesus who saved my soul. He is so much more worthy, the only worthy one. It's worth being uncomfortable for a time to grow in my faith in him, to become more intimate with him. If you have been challenged in your heart to express your worship, whether in giving or worship or your prayer time, I don't know what it is, do it. Let the uncomfortableness go and get to him. She did that. She got his best. 
the words he says, your suffering is over. I can't imagine how she felt. 12 years and her life is completely and totally changed. One more. What if she thought, if I touch his robe, I could be healed? If I touch his robe, I could be healed. It could happen. Crowds, crowds of people, so many people touching him. Why were they touching him? Was it with faith? Was it with believing? Because she's the only one who's mentioned, and he says, Ho, who just touched me? Like, I legit felt power leave my body. Who touched me? She's the only one who hears those words. She was touching with intention and purpose and confidence and faith. If I get to his robe, I'm healed. She fought to touch and receive. The spirit of God lives in us as believers, and he desires to put deposits in us, tangible deposits, whether it's mentally, clarity of mind, sound thinking, physically. We live in amazing times. Allow his spirit to make deposits, whatever your fight is. It's worth the fight to get to Jesus, to get our faith where it needs to be. Just to remind ourselves, my creator loves me more than I could possibly comprehend. He has good things for me. I trust him. I believe him. I'm reaching for him. And as I reach, he meets me right where I'm at. There are so many stories like it was so hard to choose. I love this story when the father is asking for healing and Jesus says, do you believe? He said, I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Be honest right where you're at. Lord, I'm struggling. I need help. Show me. How do we keep building our faith? By hearing of the word. Keep reminding yourself. Read the gospels. See what Jesus did. That's what the spirit of God wants to do in each of us. Amen. According to scripture, what we've already discussed, our thoughts are shaping our lives, our marriages, your relationships. your future. I just want you to think for a moment, all the things that you do in your life, there is not a single section of your life that this doesn't apply to. There's nothing that we do that his word can't help us in. Please, when you speak, when you're thinking, slow down. This is kind of funny. I knew... On Friday, I was going to wear this shirt. Didn't realize it needed ironed. So at 7.30 this morning, I'm ironing. And one of my starch containers is doing something funky. It's going everywhere but on the shirt. So I reached up for another bottle that was right beside it where the laundry stuff is. And I start spraying it. And it actually works pretty good. It's got a unique scent to it. I was like, oh, must be something new. I didn't have my contacts in or my glasses on. Keep spraying it. I'm like, I really don't think this is starch. It's glass cleaner. (laughs) I walked up to Drew. I'm like, babe, what do I smell like? He's like, kind of lemony. (laughs) 
It was going to ruin the whole message. What if, what if, Lindy, what if? Whip through my closet. Like, this is my example. These little things. What if, what if, who cares? Does anybody smell lemon? If you do, just soak it in. Like, <laughs> these little things. I'm asked you, what about this, what about this? If you think it's dressy enough, if you think you can preach in that, I'm like, you're not helping. Lindy, get it together. What if you just wear what you knew you were going to wear, you simmer your emotions down, and you just go and you do? Little, big, or small, there is not one thing that he can't help us with. Amen? Lord, I thank you for your truth. I am so thankful as believers we have your spirit in us to lead and to guide us. Lord, the blood of Jesus that washes us, that runs through us, the mind of Christ. I thank you that you are alive and active in us and that you're helping us become all that you have created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.